Listeners, welcome back to another episode of Forrest Gump Minute, your weekly podcast where we talk about the movie Forrest Gump four minutes at a time. I'm your co-host Rob and joined as always by my best good friends, Joe and Duff. Hello everyone. Hi. <laughs> I don't know I was, why that made me laugh so much I was, today. I, I was trying to think of something funny to say and I blanked out. <laughs> I mean, you've had to do it a lot, uh, to be fair. Words words just aren't... We're off to a great start, guys. <laughs> uh, we're on minutes 49 through 52 of Forrest Gump. We uh, The segment starts with Forrest writing to Jenny and ends with Forrest saving lives. Um, but before we go anywhere on this, Duff right away we got a musical cue yep uh <clears throat> we got some more white dude boomer songs this week I, that uh, said that said i will say like i had this double disc soundtrack growing up and we're at my favorite part of the soundtrack this is what i enjoyed uh, the most i i will say i guess i i wasn't being entirely correct there are two women on our first song which is california dreaming mamas and the papas um another song that i cannot even like listen to as a song it's just like i don't i guess this song's good i don't know it's just so linked to shorthand for hey man it's the 60s yeah did a little little diving into this uh one thing i did not know is that it's actually a cover um so it was written in 1963 by John Phillips and Michelle Phillips of the Mamas and the Papas. Were the Mamas uh, and the Papas parents? Uh, <laughs> let's let's table that for okay, later. Because I, I there's a lot I have a lot to, to, there, to say about the Mamas and the Papas. Uh, there's a there's a lot to unpack later. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, but uh, they wrote this song and um, in classic hippie style, John Phillips says. He dreamed about the song and he woke uh, Michelle up to help him write it. Uh, Do you guys believe that stuff? No. Okay, I don't either. I mean, you know, I'm sure it happens like one out of ten times, but or I don't know. But yeah, like. Do you guys uh, know I dreamed this idea? I woke up Duff. <laughs> you called us in the middle of the night. Duff. <laughs> we should do Forrest Gump four minutes at a time. <laughs> help me <laughs> uh but they actually gave the song to another guy named barry mcguire who has kind of a deep, barry mcguire mcguire that's <laughs> barry <laughs> mcguire come on and they did the so the backing track the backing vocals are the same but if you listen barry mcguire has like a John stop K- just stop saying it <laughs> hey, i can't hear it anymore they said that they said that barry mcguire had a really a really deep voice and as soon as you heard him, you know, he had him at Bello. <laughs> uh, that's. Uh, and then. A, so Barry, he released Barry the McGuire. song. Barry McGuire. Barry He released the song. And then the Mamas and the Papas released it. Uh, came I'm, out in. I'm sorry. I just saw a picture of what Barry McGuire looks like. You should, you should just listen to like the first 10 seconds. Like he's. He sounds like this. Oh, he does. <laughs> I had no idea. Uh, he, he, he looks like the Unabomber's brother. <laughs> he he looks like he got up to no good, is what I'll say. Um, 
so yeah the song came out uh it actually came out in 65 and didn't really go anywhere but then a boston station played it a lot in 1966 uh peaked at number four on the billboard 100 uh and since then has become shorthand for hippie counterculture whenever you're making a movie or tv show maybe a commercial um, uh, Barry Maguire also joined the Mamas <laughs> and the Papas for uh, from 1997 to 1998. The new Mamas and the Papas. Uh, the castless Mamas and the Papas. Uh, yes, I believe it was cast free. Um, she died in the early 70s. I think 73, if I'm not yeah. mistaken. So, uh, so yeah, let's talk about <laughs> the Mamas Mom- and the Papas. Uh, <laughs> well, speci- uh, to answer speci- Rob's question, Ma- Mama Cass was a mama. Okay, she had one child. Okay. Baby Cass. Um, <laughs> what, is that like Baby what Yoda? What is there... Uh, what... How can... I'm trying to think of how I can ask this. Delete this if this is problematic. It just doesn't feel like you should be able to be white and call yourself Mama Cass. Doesn't mm. it just seem like the name of a, like a, of a, a black woman? It, uh, do, it, it does. I think that's a valid point. Yeah, when I hear, like, Mama, I think of uh, Ma and Pa Kettle, though, which were two very old white people. Hmm. Like, I think, I think more hillbilly. Okay, that's... that's, that's and that's not Mama, but I just think of Ma and Pa Kettle. Yeah. <laughs> we had all sorts of, like, uh, they, uh, they also had a lot of those, like, Ma and Pa on vacation. <laughs> like, you know, it was all those, like, sort of, like, you know, Ernest-type titles. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, the, the counterpart is, uh, Papa John. Mm. Pizza yeah, ma- Joe, explain Papa John. <laughs> Pizza magnate. And well, he has, or- a, he has a lot to say about what white people are allowed to say and what black people are allowed to say. <laughs> <laughs> Just ask, ask the Papa. Pizza magnet and all around very sane person, Papa John. Yeah. Well, I don't really think we're qualified to talk about him. We're not in the pizza sector. I don't know if I know a mama and Papa song outside of this one. Uh, is that- Monday, Monday, you know that, don't you? Okay, yeah, I know Monday. Okay, yeah. Okay, okay. Um, that's two. Yeah. For like, Uh, just it's just weird for like a group that like everyone knows, like oh, the mamas and the papas. I feel like they're influenced who are who are around like two, three years and had like a handful of hits, but the one or two, you know, two of them were just monster, you know, stand-in songs for an entire generation. I mean, I, is it just their names? Is it just everyone can relate to the mamas and the papas? Like, is it is it as simple as that? Maybe. I also, I did not know. I'm sorry to, to jump into your mama and papa material here. I didn't huh? know that they had three albums. Uh, do you guys know the titles of their three albums? I didn't. I do not. Okay, Joe, do you know this? Mm-mm. Okay, the first one is called the mamas and the papas that's your self-titled album that's another way to say that right mm-hmm. sure oh wait never mind i'm wrong nope no i'm not no i'm not they have the mamas and the papas then they have one year later time for another album what are we going to call it how about the mamas and the papas deliver <laughs> this is the papa john's reference we were talking about <laughs> earlier okay you and get, then they deliver for less if your team wins that sunday and then it's time for another album. You got to keep cranking these out, right? Next year, time for a new one. What if you simply call it, mix things up a little bit, guys, literally, the Papas and the Mamas. Ooh. 
They they woke up from like a heroin daze for five minutes to come up with that last <laughs> album title. <laughs> all right, I'm sorry, Del. Now that uh, so that was more or less all I had, except uh, for your question about were they papas? Uh, <laughs> John Phillips, famously bad dad. Yeah. Uh, Joe, do you know about this? I don't know. No, I don't think so. Oh, you are in for a treat, Rob. You. Rob, do you know about this? Uh, I don't know. Oh, well. So, you know how if sometimes you can just tell that you're in for a wild ride just from the Wikipedia table of contents? <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, under personal life, when you have incest allegations. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Um, the, the, the Woody Allen uh, category. Yeah. So, and this was a fairly big deal. Um, so, John Phillips died in like early 2000s and in 2009 his daughter Mackenzie came out and said that she had a 10-year incestuous relationship um and she went on she went on Oprah and there was like I vaguely remember this 10 years ago but it was kind of a big deal um uh, Mackenzie told Oprah that her father injected her with cocaine and heroin um, the incestuous relationship ended when she became pregnant and did not know who had fathered the child. As the story goes, these doubts resulted in an abortion for which her father, her father paid for, and she stated, I never let him touch me again. Wow. So, John Phillips, uh, bad dad. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Not a good papa. <laughs> no, not at all. Do you think... We talked about the doors earlier. Mm-hmm. How mad do you think Jim Morrison is that Mama Cass outlived him? <laughs> I mean, he's dead, so he's probably that's true. Does not care. That's true. That's true. I was curious if she was part of the club for twenty-seven. But she uh, died no, I th- she made it to the thirties. Yep. Yep. The ripe old age of thirty-two. Wow. All right. Mamas and the Papas. California dreaming. <laughs> A little bit of incest. Uh, <laughs> hey, it's only uh, one, only one out of four. Uh, okay, back to Forrest Gump, shall we? Mm-hmm. Oh, the Mamas and the Papas is, is inspired by the Hell's Angels. Oh. That name. So female members of the Hell's Angels were called Mamas. So that's why she's Mama oh, Cass. Interesting. Dang it! Now that's cool. Because when you think of when you think of uh, badass motorcycle gangs, you, and then you look at a picture of the Hell's Angels, you think of the Mamas and the Pops. You think of tight harmonies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, so Forrest is writing a letter to Jenny, and uh, I think this is an interesting question for you guys. Uh, I think this is the first time in the movie that we leave his point of view maybe uh is this necessary we leave his point of view we see uh we see jenny living her full hippie life as she walks into a cliche yeah Uh, jenny just (laughs) walking into what looks like you know like if a seventh grader had to give a report on the 60s yes a Volkswagen van. There's a guitar she's holding. Some, there's long hairs. Long hairs. The long hairs look like they're twins. So I'm wondering, like, if they're twins and she's part of a band of two twins. Uh, she joined Nelson. <laughs> <laughs> uh, also, we see that Jenny 
at some point between being kicked out of school and then failing as a burlesque uh, folky nude act goes back to her mama's trailer yes yes i i just i just wonder like do we need to do this do we need to leave vietnam to just be like fyi jenny's a hippie like that's really it jenny's a hippie now which you know we kind of already knew she already was like in a band and like was like the hippie girl uh, on stage at the well, nudie show be- because in the if- in the lens of forrest gump these are the only two possible things you could be in the 1960s you could be a dude in the army or a hippie and and it's it's just during his voiceover while he's talking about all this stuff so it's not like it takes us away from something else we could be seeing you just yeah. okay. watch him writing a letter longer yeah he is writing a letter to her so and and it gives us the information for why she's not writing back to him not that we would have trouble guessing like you said but yeah i guess i guess part of me is like i mean i guess we need the jenny think that's why he's waiting at the bus stop but part of me is like yeah you do need to, you don't need the, the letter writing or or seeing what she's doing he's in vietnam it's fine i don't know if we need any more but it's not a problem i just think it's interesting that we leave his perspective which we haven't done you know we're you know 48 nine minutes into this movie or so right now i mean we do see imagined archival footage of nathan bedford forrest well, I yes, <laughs> that's true, and I and I guess and, we also uh, see uh, Lieutenant Dan throughout the years, his his family, his yes. forefathers, and Bubba's pa- my, uh, ancestors. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so uh, it stops raining in Vietnam, and uh, Forrest and his and his troop. I'm sure I'm using the term wrong. Uh, they get ambushed. And I'm going to say, guys, this is a pretty intense sequence. Yeah, this is the best part of the movie. This and it's, what what this and the next segment of minutes are probably the best parts of the movie. It's yeah, a really it's, good Vietnam movie in the middle of this movie. It's very well shot. And, yeah, I I was trying to find it, and I wasn't able to. But I, I remember reading at the time, like, I couldn't remember if my family subscribed to Time or Newsweek. But there was an article talking about how for this was kind of a re a reintroduction of vietnam into cinema it was kind of like 10 years after platoon and full metal jacket and now like that it was causing i think there are a lot of people who are kind of like having you know a hard time watching it because it was just kind of intense And 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 to be fair like you know, you can avoid Platoon and 4 and 4th July. The, like, the subject matter is pretty obvious. Be like, ugh, I don't right. think I'm ready for a Vietnam movie. When you go see, like, you know, uh, <laughs> the Tom Hanks movie about the slow the num- guy. The number one the number one movie of the year. And Story the- time with Dum Dum. <laughs> <laughs> That's episode title right there. And then it breaks into this, like, incredible intense vietnam sequence uh, where dude, like dudes are being blown up and yeah and yeah. like the camera goes down on the ground with the soldiers the sound design is like unbelievable during the sequence and there's one thing i found very interesting i was listening to the commentary so i didn't pick up on this because i'm not smart um we never see the Viet Cong. we do not it's nope. all from like close in perspective of the soldiers we never see the enemy we just see like the tracers from their guns that's it the fire uh 
which I think is really interesting, especially for this like movie, because it's just all from the point of view of Forrest to just like maintain that. The unseen enemy. So good job on that, Zemeckis. I think it's great. I think this whole this whole sequence is fantastic. It's it's interesting because it's before saving Private Ryan, but like this is, you know, this is chaos. <laughs> this yeah. is like filmed chaos. Yeah, it's maybe an interesting uh forebear to saving Private Ryan because there's yeah, there's no uh rationality or you know I mean you have a sense of space, but you don't have a sense of You don't like have like set. an establishing shot and there's no like yeah. there's no like tension of like, oh, they're out there, just wait. Are they going yeah. to start shooting? It just suddenly happens and you're like literally on the ground with them. Yeah. Uh, uh I have a question. And you you kind of uh when you said this before, you said about uh troop. Um do you guys ever feel dumb because you don't know the exact order of uh like like squad, troop, brigade, whatever, yeah. and then like the the rankings? Like, I feel, do people actually, I feel like no one outside who wasn't in the army actually knows this. And everyone just pretends they do. Like, obviously, you know, like, private is the lowest and general is the highest. But in between, it's like, uh, there's a lieutenant, there's sergeant, captain, lieutenant commander. And I'm with you, Duff, for as like, all it is is remembering the order of like eight words. And I like, and like all the times I've like read it or seen it in a movie or like played it in a video game or any of that stuff, and like it's never yeah. stuck. It's like troop, platoon, brigade, unit. Like yep. I, I don't know. Like it, I could, could do the military. Cr- I could do the military uh, find a word, but I wouldn't be able to do the military crossword. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I know the words. No idea. They need. What they there mean. needs to be. You know, like when you learn the the color spectrum it's like roy g biv they need something yeah. like that do you know uh rainbow order is like a big thing for kids now what do you like, mean like my son loves to put things in rainbow order and like talking to other parents is a thing that like kids their kids do too and i don't remember ever doing that what? so what is it well like, it's what, roy g what? biv so like you just would like if you're playing is, isn't that game, it isn't that it right there no no i know but like as an actual way to determine like order of stuff not just as like that's the order of the rainbow, but to be like, oh, well, we're playing a board game, so let's do it in rainbow order. Oh, instead but, of like clockwise or something. Or I mean, just anything, just as a way to sort things. Instead of like, you know, if you've just whatever it is, like you just like do it, it by colors in rainbow this is, order. This is nonsense right here. This is I know. This What's is like, the world coming to? This is, this is like those hippie schools where there's no grades. <laughs> <laughs> I this is I think it's pretty common. It's public school. Wow. Uh it's a good newer thing, I guess. Do they, I don't do, know. They, do they teach them that you get paid in lollipops when you grow up or something? Oh. Don't I don't like any of this. How long until <laughs> this, this becomes part, how long until the right wing picks this up as part of the gay agenda? Oh my god. That's <laughs> great. It's gonna be yeah. That's what's going to happen. They're teaching him rainbow order for the gays. I mean, if mm. we we're the first people to think of it, so we could probably grift on that for a while. For well, that could be your, yep, that could I'm, be your made up Twitter account, Joe. And then every once in a while, you just plug this podcast. I'm <laughs> I'm still upset by this idea. I'm full blown MAGA head now. <laughs> I'm, uh, a, I'm a traditionalist. You put things in a column. None of this color. Uh. <laughs> rainbow order, bro. 
okay, so one other fun fact about the military thing on here is Dale Dye was an advisor, and uh, he's uh, he's like a decorated military guy who specializes in realistic military action, and he's also an actor. He's been in a lot of things. He's in. He's an old guy. I don't know what to tell you. I he's <laughs> if I point him out, you'd be like, "Oh, that guy. I've seen him." But uh, I wanted to give you guys a list of movies he's consulted on, and uh, he does a good job. Did he consult uh, pl- on Ernest and the Army? <laughs> <laughs> Platoon, Born the Fourth of July, JFK. There's the Oliver Stone trilogy for Duff. Uh, Last of the Mohicans. That's for me. Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan, The Thin Red Line. That's for Joe. Yep. Uh, Band of Brothers, The Pacific. Uh, there's a bunch of other ones, but there's two more that made me laugh that I want to tell you guys about. One, uh, I, I want. I hope it's the Polly Shore one. <laughs> oh, in the army now. I just yeah. thought that Starship <laughs> that. Starship Troopers. Yes, Duff. Oh, really? awesome. Yes, I was just saying it's a Midnight Boys approved movie. I'm certain. Oh, yeah. uh, and Tropic Thunder, which just makes me laugh that they had like a military consultant to make sure they got the details right in Tropic Thunder. Um, so yeah, Dale Die. Good name. I'm just trying to think of what he would have consulted on for Starship Troopers. <laughs> I mean, what obviously all those military scenes. I mean, no, I mean, obviously they had military scenes, but like, I'm just thinking like of the giant bugs. <laughs> Maybe they were like, listen, could we hire you to come in and tell us the order of the military ranks? Cause yeah. none of us can remember. Yeah. There was no Google back then. I don't <clears> think uh, that is true. Years. 97 uh, uh close would they be uh, searching on yahoo dog Ask pile. Jeeves. jeeves Al- jeeves Alta- lycos alta vista um quick quick aside on uh starship troopers and uh how there's debate on whether or not the book is pro or anti-fascist but the movie is definitely kind of a satire paul yeah. Ver- paul verhoven had one of the honestly one of the best quotes i've ever heard about war that he said, "War makes fascists of us all." Oh, yeah. Oliver Hoven surprisingly has these woke moments. It's not I surprising. Mean, like his career is consistent. I get RoboCop. Yeah. yeah. Basic instinct is super woke, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a satire too. Yeah, but that movie doesn't age as well as some of the other ones. I know that uh, it, a lot of controversy with the uh, LGBT community when it came yes. out. Yes, big time. I'll have to revisit it and Total Recall too. Yeah. Uh, uh yeah, for Hoven, great. Uh, okay, so we have uh Run Forest Run here. We have Bubba saying it. You guys, yay or nay on this? I'm uh that specific thing. That specific one right there. Just the fact that he says Run Forest Run, and that's what like just the callback to her, to like Jenny saying it. I mean, Lieutenant Dan told everyone to get the hell out of there, so I don't yeah. think we needed it. But I mean, I guess uh, it's like, yeah, it's it. Yeah, just curious. It's funny how Bubba absolutely does not care about anyone else but Forrest. I know he's so sweet in this. He just keeps asking, like, "Are you okay, Forrest?" And like, he's so makes me even sadder for what we have to talk about later. You no, know, it's because he knows Forrest is uh, as as you'd say touched rough. Well, or it's he's, because it's his business partner. He's he's looking well that too. He's looking out for him. Um, it's like, oh yeah, gotta, gotta do all the shrimping now. Forest dice. It's, it's really sweet. But then then a twist. Um, 
So then Forrest takes off, runs. He runs too far, he to be honest. It. He books it. Uh, and there's this moment when he's running away that he runs right past. I think he runs right past Bubba. He's just like taking off, right? Yeah. And uh, Joe reminded me of a moment in our lives. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And uh, it was a uh, it was a, a fun night we had had with some friends. Is you, me, and another friend who I will not name for reasons. And <laughs> we were we were leaving a bar. We had we had a good time. We were as the kids, as the kids, uh, kids would say, we were turnt. <laughs> and, and we were we were walking back to Joe's house, and without saying anything, without any sort of warning, this is probably like midnight. Uh, the third friend of our party just takes off, runs about six feet. And then drop kicks a garbage can over. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, all of a sudden we heard, like, I mean, out of a movie, just some old lady. Yeah. That was just like, <laughs> what are you boys doing? <laughs> <laughs> so funny. And our friend who kicked it over uh, just yelled, I'm 30, bitch. (laughs) (laughs) And then we did what any people in their 30s would do, and we ran as fast as we could. And much like Bubba being passed up by Forrest, (laughs) I watched S. Joe just pass me by like a quarter block. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, Joe rounded the corner, and her other friend failed at rounding that corner. (laughs) Took a spell. (laughs) Took a big time spill, <laughs> right in like right to the side of me. Did I help him up? No, it was war. You have to get going. <laughs> I just <laughs> war doesn't change. Yeah, <laughs> whoever is the last person is who the old lady's going to catch, and it wasn't going to be me. <laughs> uh, and so we got back to uh, to Joe's place, and uh, our friend had complained about his hands. And we kind of ignored it. We didn't think it was that big of a deal till the next morning. Is and his hands had a lot of skin peeled off of them. From uh... looked like he had some flesh eating virus. <laughs> so yeah, that's what I thought of when I saw just Forrest just taking off and passing Bubba. It's your own personal Vietnam. My own personal Vietnam. What are you boys doing? What What are you boys up to? Oh my god. <laughs> And the response is, oh, no, we're not boys. We're 30. Yeah. Um, as you can see from listening. <laughs> just one of the all-time self-owns. Yeah. Uh, anyways, back to the movie. This ends with, uh, with uh, you know, he runs all the way back, and then he runs back into the fray to find Bubba, but he finds Bubba. Tex, and he brings him out of the battle. And at this point... Um, we know we talk a lot about musical cues, which, by the way, do we? There's two of them. Duff, I missed one here. Yeah, I figure you're saving it for the end. Yeah. Uh, after that musical cue that you'll talk about, it's pretty much it's time for the score to do the work, and and it does, I think, very well. So, what what is the final musical cue? Uh, we got uh, yet another song that is just kind of shorthand for the 1960s. Uh, we have Buffalo Springfield's "For What It's Worth." parentheses stop hey what's that sound mm-hmm. everybody look um 
So released as a single in December 1966, peaked at number seven on the Billboard Top 100, uh, and was eventually added to the uh, the second pressing of the first Buffalo Springfield album, uh, which included uh, Stephen Stills and Neil Young. And Buffalo Springfield it was written by Stephen Stills. Uh, here's an interesting thing I found out: this song was not actually written about uh, war. It was written um, about the Sunset Strip curfew riots of November 1966. Wow. So Buffalo Springfield was the the house band at the Whiskey-A-Go-Go. And basically it was kind of like a Haight-Ashbury type scene. A lot of long hairs, a lot of hippie music. Mm -hmm. Uh, Local residents and businesses had become annoyed how crowds of young people going to clubs and music venues cause late night traffic congestion, noise, so so forth. Traffic, yeah, man. So, and they lobbied the city to pass local ordinances uh, that would stop people from loitering and enforced a strict curfew on the strip after 10 p.m. Uh, and there were uh, there were I, I don't know if you'd call it riots. I guess we could call it riots, but there was there's disobedience. Young music fans felt the new laws infringed upon their civil rights. Uh, Jack Nicholson and Peter Fonda were a part of these uh, protests. Um, But that is what the song was written about. And the reason that it's called For What It's Worth, Stephen Stills was passing it over to his record company and says, I have this song here for what it's worth if you want it. (laughs) Hmm. very straightforward yeah wow uh a lot of people think it was written about kent state but that was not for god almost the better part of a decade almost 10 years i think kent state was 72 73 and this would have been 66 did anyone get like harmed in these quote-unquote riots or was it just like a thousand like angry it was long hair just a bunch of angry hippies i don't believe there were any casualties (laughs) Um, the Sunset Strip Curfew Riots, also known as the Hippie Riots. <laughs> the Hippie Riots. <laughs> awesome. Quit playing the bongos. <laughs> is that a sitar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, instead of sit-ins, they had sitars. Uh, yep, I'm, I did I'm, it. I'm, I'm siding with the, the old people there. Yeah, we do actually. Get rid of sitars. Get rid of them. Uh, I mean, sitars are fine if you're from, you know, India or you're playing a, or you're playing a Raja or something. But uh, any any white people with sitars, get real. Don't do it. <laughs> you can't be called Mama, and you can't play a sitar. That's right. <laughs> uh, I want to uh. just briefly mention that that this song is sampled quite effectively in He Got Game by Public Enemy. Oh, yeah. I was going to bring that up, too, but yes. And excellent what I point. remembered being very fond of that song, and it does hold up, but what uh, terrified me listening to it, I was sort of doing other things, and I put it on to see if it held up, and I forgot that they got old old Stephen Stills to come in and, like, re-sing and be part of the song. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean, it's okay, I guess, but I would have just used the, uh, 
you know, yeah. the original vocals instead of having him re-sing it because he doesn't sound quite as good. But he's just a little more grizzled, and maybe that's what they wanted. I don't know. Yeah. But it's a great song. Maybe it's easier than paying for the rights to the song, too. <laughs> the sample yeah, I mean, might have been like, oh, we'll just have you sing it. That's fine. Pay you less. That's true. Could be. But uh, it's it's a really good song. Better, Probably better than for what it's worth. For what it's worth. <laughs> Only, and uh, I mostly feel that way because I've just I've heard for what it's worth too many times. Yeah, it's care. again, it's not like does anyone ever actually like want to play that? Does anyone ever bring it up on Spotify or whatever? It's it. I I don't know, and I guess so we've we've already said this, but I don't know how much of this is just is is because like those things are just used all the time, or because this movie made that happen. I feel like this one is shorthand like i didn't do a dive of how many times it's been used but i feel like anytime there's a documentary or something about the 60s not not even just vietnam just the 60s there's uh, either of these songs actually california dreaming or Mm -hmm. uh for what it's worth and that's kind of why i like the i'd rather just listen to he got game because the music is the best part of it you know and the, the you know steven's still singing and the lyrics like i don't know i don't care so just give me that I get that good vibe in, but I get Chuck D and, and Flava Flav instead of uh, Stephen Stills for the most part <laughs> until old ass Stephen Stills kicks in and scares me. <laughs> Reminds you about our own mortality. <laughs> he's in the music uh, video too. And like they show him in the music video and he's not, not looking good. And that was nine, like 19, that was 20 years ago. Something. Yeah. Oh, well, uh, do you guys have anything else on uh, on this segment? We still have more. We have plenty more Vietnam uh, coming in. The well, future. I just like it when the, what I like about this scene is the sound design and how quiet it is. Like when he runs away, and it's like a scary quiet, you know. Yeah. He's and not, this movie is not quiet very often. There's always noise or music or something going on. And this is one of the few parts of the movie where it's just like quiet. I I like it. It's good. Yeah, the sequence the sequence is great. Um, it's it's kind of revisiting. I'm just like, this, this is a shockingly really good Vietnam film in the middle of this. Yeah, just sandwiched um, in there. Yeah, and it's and and it, it's and it's way longer than I remember too because it, it does. It's so good it just flies by when you watch it. Um, well, listeners, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at Gump Minute. You can join our Facebook group to talk about the movie at forestgumpminute.com slash chocolates. You can write and review us on iTunes. Guys, I looked. We have like one written review on this podcast. I don't know what's happening. It's because they, they switched over to Apple Podcasts and no one Apple knows what podcasts. to do. Okay, fine. Excuse me. How many, do we ha- how many do we have on Apple Podcasts? I bet it's a lot. No, it's a still lot. Like- <laughs> Go over on Apple Podcasts and write us a review. Grouped up right. <laughs> um, and uh, if you can't get enough of this, can't get enough of us, you're like, oh, I just need more than once a week, you can go to patreon.com slash the Midnight Boys, and you can become a Patreon, and you can listen to us talk about other stuff, like, un- like stuff we've cut from these episodes, or one-off episodes we do every month uh for example in december we had all we've done thus far is questionable comedies (laughs) from the 90s yeah son-in-law and uh and Ernest saves christmas and by this time this is released there's been there'll be more after that which who knows what those are nell nell Um, nell's gonna be the big one (laughs) 
Uh, so, listeners, come back next week, and uh, we will continue talking about Forrest Gump. Happy the days while I'm ending the nest Till once more they ride high out to sea